five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello, space enthusiasts. Wow, what a week in space. SpaceX's Starship SN15 successfully flew and landed. And Blue Origin announced they will finally start flying space tourists on the new Shepard vehicle. This is timely because my guest this week is a prospective space tourist. And he really considers himself a tourist because his career has not been in space at all. David Schilling is a renowned British designer. Among other things, he's considered to have revolutionized the design of ladies' hats. He has had a fascinating life, now he wants to go to space, and he's going to tell us why. As always, feel free to email us your questions or comments on the episode at spacebusinesspodcast at gmail.com or post them on our Twitter. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and or rating on your favorite podcast platform so more people can find the podcast. Now here's a couple of short messages about our sponsors, then please enjoy my conversation with David Chilling. My name is Raphael Rodkin and I'm an investor and advisor to space companies. Just as a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing should be taken as investment advice. This podcast is sponsored by Nanoavionics, a satellite manufacturer and mission integrator. Their technologies enable many space companies worldwide to offer services that improve life right here on Earth, such as providing global connectivity, conducting Earth observation, or contributing to scientific discoveries. Check them out and also check out my episode with the CEO and co-founder. Sadly, I am not a rocket scientist, but I'm an alumnus of the International Space University. ISU offers a number of educational programs about space worldwide. Check them out at isunet.edu. Hey David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, nice to be uh, Earth to Earth on a podcast. Yes, although I wish we could do it in person and I could be there with you in, in Monaco, in beautiful Monaco, but of course... I'd rather you were in space with me and <laughs> we were doing it there. <laughs> I promise we'll try to do that as soon as possible. You and I will keep working you bet. and you know, yeah. we'll, we'll have one in a few years. I, so. I reckon I, I'm, I'm getting more confident about the about them getting to the moon, you know, because I'm an old man, so I, I don't know whether I'll make it, but we won't do it on Mars, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Let's do it, um, as they say, like, you know, small, small steps. Small, small steps. steps <laughs> mankind. You know, first, first the space station, maybe. One of the space I stations. I think we're all looking forward to getting on airplanes again. And, uh, yes. yeah, coming to Geneva or Monaco or London, whatever, we want to meet up. God, I mean, it's funny, right? We're talking about the quarantine. I was joking yesterday. Actually, at the moment, with all the travel restrictions, I think it's literally easier to go to the International Space Station than to go to some other countries. Yeah. And then he went, let's hope it normalizes soon and I can come visit you in Monaco. That'll be the first step. Then the space station, then the moon surface. But David, let me give you, I mean, obviously I've given a brief introduction in, 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 the, in the lead up of this podcast. But the interesting thing, of course, is like myself, you are not originally from the space sector. We met at the Elon Roman Space Conference in Israel, where, you know, I was on a panel together with Amir from, from Axiom and some other gentlemen. And you approached me afterwards and saying, well, you know, Raphael, I'm actually, you know, one of the, the candidates who wants to go up to the international 
space station with, with Axiom Space. And for our listeners who may not have heard about this yet, Axiom Space is a US company and they're basically selling 10-day trips to International Space Station. You go on the SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule, stay 10 days on station, and it has a very cool price of currently $55 million. But David, again, your background is not in space. You originally started out as a, as a milliner. And since we have quite a few listeners, I think, whose native language is not English, I should explain the word milliner. My understanding is it's uh, basically a hat maker and not it's actually a women's hat maker isn't it specifically yeah. Yeah. Um, born in the center very center of london near mabala for those who don't speak english too often um i'll try to speak a bit slower so perhaps you'll remind me Raphael, to do that mm -hmm. um i'm now living in monaco but i was born in the center of, of london and i'm actually not really a milliner myself i left school called saint paul's when i was young uh, 16 And I wanted to have the freedom of working. And so that's what I, I did. And I came up with the idea that women's hats needed to be totally revolutionized. And I just live innovation. I love new things and making the best of the new and incorporating that with the best of the past. And obviously now you're getting my sort of age. I'm a guy who witnessed those first Apollo flights and stuff. So... I'm very into space, and I've always thought that there must be life forces outside of our own, because I come from a, an age, and I think this has only changed very recently, where everybody went, oh, I wonder if there's any life outside of Earth. And I just ask you if you're asking that question to yourself, and I guess not many of you guys here listening to this will be asking that question, but just in case there's anyone who doubts, tonight go out, look up in the sky. It's impossible that there's not something up there, out there. It is so immense. We just don't know what's up there. So, of course, I'm fascinated to have the opportunity at this time of my life to go into space. And unfortunately, being realistic, I won't get to Mars, I doubt. And I probably won't get to the moon, really. But uh, it would be a dream. So this opportunity to go to ISS is just fantastic. It's just the closest, the most extraordinary thing. Just so exciting. How did that idea originally come about? You said you were watching, obviously, you, I, I assume you were a teenager around the time of the Apollo program. So you were living uh, a bit and breathing younger. that yeah, exciting. I mean, a bit younger. I mean, there was, uh, I suppose, I, I don't remember Sputnik and all that kind of right. thing. So, you know, I mean, that was the big one. So this, this, what happened really, I think I should explain that I met, when Monaco does something, they do it really big and really well. And they had this amazing space conference. There was a premiere of the NASA celebration of 50 years film and seven astronauts were on a panel answering questions for an hour after that film and after a very nice cocktail as well. And um, that's when I met Michael Lopez Alegria and some of the Axiom team. And they mentioned that it might be possible for me to go to space. Considering my age, um, you can't, guys can't see me, but apparently, according to Michael Safradini, when I asked him, you know, I was a bit worried about the physical uh, examinations and medicals. He said, David, don't worry, you look as fit as a horse. I'm not sure being fit as a horse is a great compliment, but uh, I, they think I'm fit enough to go. And so from the end of 2018, we've been working on getting me up there 
into space. And ironically, um, the pandemic, I think, has helped a lot of people in the space community uh, in, in a strange way. Although, of course, it's caused other challenges. And one of the ironies of uh, this uh, period was that at the beginning of 2020, although the scheduled trip is only duration of eight to 10 days uh, on mm -hmm. ISS, Michael Lopez Alegria said to me, uh, sorry, who I'm sure most of you know is one of the great sort of icons of space uh, with, I think, the second Astronaut. longest EVA record in in the world at the moment and mm -hmm. and so on so um michael and said to me on a, on a call just as the pandemic was sort of starting to hit it david how do you feel about maybe 30 days up there i said come on michael you know whoa let's talk about we, we talked about it very seriously because um i i, I mean eight or ten days it's not tourism that's for sure there are other options for anyone who wants to go into space as a tourist for a quick quickie, but uh, it's a much more serious flight, obviously. And, and it's interesting, right? Because the, the the people, I mean, starting with the first space tourist in the in the two thousands, right? Um, actually, Dennis Tito, the first the first um, space. Yeah. Well, I use the word tourist, but whatever. The point I was going to make is that those people actually typically don't even like to be called tourists, right? Because they have to go through months of training and so forth. So they they seem to prefer the the expression private space explorer. But I mean, personally, I am the first tourist. I mean, there are around 20 non-professionals who've gone up into space. And of course, the first Axiom flight is three more. But I mean, one of them, having said non-professionals, one of them ex-test pilots and so on. I really am. I mean, I am a tourist. But on the other hand, because I like to invent things and I like innovation, basically, uh, my trip is different to most others. And I have to, you, you, you mentioned your age a couple of times, but I want to really like sort of uh, give the encouraging message. I mean, people may remember John Glenn, who of course was the first orbital, American orbital astronaut. Many, many years later, he went back to space on the space shuttle at the age of 77. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie Bolden says that I will be the second oldest to go up. And I, I'm on your first flight, and then if you got a couple of years and again and again, and at some point yeah. in time, you may be the oldest. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I'll go more than than once to ISS. So after we uh, discussed this and decided thirty days was a bit different. I mean, I think if you're thinking of a trip in space, after all, uh, and the prices are going to dramatically reduce. Eight days is perfect because by the time you get up there and you wander around for a couple of days, you've got used to the trip. You know, you're getting used to it. But it's already almost time to go home. Thirty days is a completely different thing. But funny enough, now having been in confinement for so long, I'm ready to spend a year on, on ISS, it, uh, you know, not being able to go out into uh, open the door and, and, and wander around is not a problem anymore. Uh, yeah. The pandemic has helped me in that way. So speaking of the, whether it's eight days or 30 days, like, have you thought about how you would like to spend that time? I mean, for example, you're, you're an artist, like, you know, do you plan on maybe doing some art up there? Or I don't know, maybe just Very having nice. a nice civilized cocktail if that's allowed okay. or just watching out the window. window well, this or... is, this is, I suppose, really cutting quite fast to some, one of the serious aspects of this whole trip for me. I really, when I do go up there and have this amazing honor and, and opportunity, I wanted to do something while I'm there. Obviously, in zero gravity to make art is, is the challenge that's very important to me 
to to address. Mm -hmm. And if there's anyone out there who wants me to to get involved in some project with them that could help them and help me, let's do it. Everything from designing items to take up with me to space. Um, maybe luggage, maybe clothes and everything. And anything more serious that could be a health matter because of my age and, and, and so on. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking for partnerships and uh, not so much sponsorships, uh, but spark partnerships to make uh, make my trip uh, really worthwhile for more than just me. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. also, I want people following me eventually when we set up a real website and things like that so that people feel involved with me because uh, I, I am the tourist. I suppose, but a very inquisitive tourist. You know what I'm doing. You, you, you mentioned designs and, 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 and clothes. Do you have any, have you thought about sort of your, your packing oh, list and any okay. sort of clothes you may want to take along? <clears throat> Okay, I'm. Have I thought about it? I mean, you know, it takes me a, <laughs> it takes me a half an hour of the evening before to know what I'm going to wear the next day. I'm quite vain, and uh, you know, I like I like to look my best when uh, when I possibly can. So, okay, the first email that I sent to Michael Lopez Alegria with a um, with a question. I'm Jewish, so it was, can I get kosher meals on board? Mm -hmm. And so um, immediately came back the answer, yes, because Ilan Ramon, sure, uh, organized yeah. being the, the first yeah. Israeli uh, who'd gone, that uh, in future Jews could get kosher meals on board, which is hysterical. I mean, I was not expecting that at all. No, my biggest worry really is what I'm going to wear on, 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 and I'm starting to design a collection because obviously I think a lot of people People are slightly confused about the spacesuit. I'm dying to mm. get a, a spacesuit on. And the bigger and more crazy it is, uh, the better, you know. But, but are you happy with the sort of currently existing space? Because we have some examples now, right? Like Virgin Galactic designed some yeah. spacesuits and then the, the SpaceX spacesuits. So are you happy with the current spacesuits or would you do something? I like suppose any designer, given the possibility of making a few changes here and there, will, will want to change almost anything. <laughs> um, I must say that I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with uh, the SpaceX uh, launcher it, itself. I mean, the... The I obviously, I've only seen it like, like everyone listening. You know, I've just seen photographs and videos made up there and so on. But uh, it, it does look like they've done the most amazing job. But of course, on the suits, then yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to have an, a, a go at doing something a bit more exciting. But uh, I mean, I love interior design. I, I've got a. I'm in fact, we're launching a, a completely new business this um, this spring. Uh, called Schilling Dot Space, actually, uh, landscape architecture design to make uh, amazing homes around the world, luxury bespoke homes around the world from the ground up to the key in the door with everything you want inside. And uh, basically, I love, I'd love to have a go at the interior of a spaceship. Yes. When, when people, I mean, After all, there is a, a business of private jets and so on. Mm -hmm. And it seems that uh, we're not far off from having people having their own private rocket. So if somebody wants a private rocket design, I'd uh, really enjoy that. Spacesuits, yeah, I think there's room. For improvement. Yeah. Speaking of design, so interior design and space, I mean, obviously, well, I don't need to tell you, like, the, the, the International Space Station is decidedly a function over form. I mean, I think to go on, to step onto ISS with its history is 
I mean, it's just one of the great honors in the world. I mean, a hundred people have done that. You know, it's not very many. And, and some of them have worked for years and years and years to get there. And there are thousands and thousands of people who worked for years and didn't get that opportunity. So I, I'm very grateful for even being able to think about that opportunity of, of going there. And, and basically, I think for the first early tourists, it's a historic monument. I mean, you wouldn't want to change a thing, but yeah, it's not designed. It's not a, a David Schilling design interior. Yeah. Um, it's the total opposite. And I love it for that. I love every bit of Velcro that I see. And I love all the, all the messy bits and the bags all over the place. And, and, yeah. and all that. But obviously, the space tourism in the future is going to be quite another story. And it will look more like you, you've seen in the movies over the last decades. Yeah, I mean, if you look back to um, 2001 and Space Odyssey, I mean, that, that space yeah. station and the Hilton Hotel, that was kind of cool almost to design, right? Yeah. And um, I'm sure you, you obviously, because you're working with, with Axiom, I'm sure you have seen their mock-up of their future because they're obviously constructing a private space station yeah. which looks decidedly different from the international space station and if i remember correctly the interior was designed by by philip stark Have, yeah. did you see it and what what did you think of that i, I mean I, i it would be ridiculous to to bother to talk about anybody else's designs that my own mm. i mean i have my my own ideas that's one of the most exciting things about going up there that i will be able to then come back and say, well, this is how it really is. Because I think to design an interior in space, the same way as the clothes I wear in space, to have the experience of actually experiencing it gives me uh, an helps you uh, the design It helps, helps me design. Yeah. I, I am very intense about design, I'm afraid. I think people think, oh, designing hats, that was easy. I didn't just design a hat. I revolutionized the whole way people think about hats at that time of the late 1970s. And that's why my work is, uh, it was shown in the Louvre Museum, the Musée des Arts Décoratifs. it's in the French National Collection, Metropolitan Museum of Art have it, uh, Los Angeles County Museum of Art have this work. And I've had solo shows around the world. Yeah, it, it, you know, if you want to be superficial, you can do a pretty job. I like going a bit further than that. So, mm -hmm. uh, speaking of your speaking of your shows, if I'm right correctly, you were also one, if not the first sort of major Western designer who, who went to, well, then it was the Soviet Union, right? Yeah. You have a show. Since, <laughs> since, the, since the Soviet Union was such or continues to be such an important uh, space nation, did, did you actually ever look at that space program as well? Did yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, luckily, I know a little bit of Russian because I sort of go where a lot of other Designers don't dare to go or don't want to go, like uh, Liverpool in England, uh, <laughs> places like right. that when the Tate Gallery first <laughs> opened. Um, but also even more, I mean, when, when I started my, my business in the light, late 1970s, a store called Bloomingdale's invited me to New York. They'd bought my whole collection of one-of-a-kind pieces. And uh, everyone said to me, you can't go to New York. In the late 1970s, it was a dangerous place. Mm. So I said, I'm going to New York. And then 
uh, then I got this opportunity of uh, Ulster Museum in Belfast at the beginning of the, in, in 1980, saw an exhibition of my work in uh, a major art gallery in the center of London and wanted to do a show. They said, will you do a show in our museum? So I'm, I'm going to Belfast, I'll go to Belfast. Yes, I'll come and see the museum. And all my friends said, you can't go to Belfast because at that time there was the war. There was, you know, sure. I mean, in those days, there was first and only place I, in an airport I'd ever had to do security check. You had to put all your stuff in those days before that, you know, before you, you didn't have to normally do security check like that. And then I got this opportunity at um, the end of the 1980s to go to Moscow to do the mm. first live broadcast with beautiful ladies from all across the Soviet Union, as it was mm -hmm. then. And uh, everyone expected these ladies to not be glamorous, because in those days, you didn't know what they were like. And I said, I'll, I'll do it as long as, uh, as this is such a groundbreaking, extraordinary thing. And it's actually a uh, my amazing four women in, in in the Soviet Union in Russia, because women are now being given the freedom to to show they wear makeup, they can look good, and mm -hmm. so on. And I said, I'll, I'll do it as long as I can do a live interview during the, the event and do my show. And we did it. And it was reputedly seen by an audience of 200 million people, which wow. makes it one of the biggest live audiences ever. It's unbelievable. That, that's, that's amazing. I mean, in, 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 Mo in Moscow, I mean, I don't know if you have a chance, but if anybody has the chance to go to Moscow, I highly recommend to go and go to the Cosmonaut Museum, which is, uh, which is a fantastically interesting place. But coming, coming back to your prospective trip, so we talked about, you know, what you might do up there and, and what, what you might bring. So the other thing I was curious about, partly because through your career in design, you, you've had exposure and as a very high-end designer, you've had exposure to the types of people on a regular basis who actually could afford at least current, the current price of a, of a trip to the, to the ISS. And if you could pick your crewmates, as you said, the, the, the Axiom trips, it's basically it's the professional astronaut, Michael Lopez Aguirre, plus three paying passengers, right? Of course, I guess if you, know, if, if you want to spend a lot of money, you could just reserve all three seats and just go by yourself. But usually there would be two other people with you. If you could pick somebody or some type of person to be your crewmate, what kind of person would that be? That's so difficult, you know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, when those questions are asked, it's usually about, you know, sort of, you, you, you choose somebody who's died and uh, <laughs> so you don't upset your friends or something. I mean, I suppose it'd be rather incredible, um, but I'm not sure I could handle eight days um, or even two days. Um, but I mean, Elon Musk comes to mind. I mean, that would be a pretty incredible trip, I think, to, to yeah. go with him, you know, and uh, for, for the 24 hours or whatever just be strapped in beside him but i mean interesting i hope for him but even more for me i i, I haven't met him yet um i have met buzz aldrin very blessed to meet so many astronauts and so on uh who would i like to take with me i don't know i think andy warhol would be i mean i knew andy warhol and um mm -hmm. in fact the reason that comes to my mind is because the the daily telegraph in in london phoned me at one point and said I, we know you're a friend of andy and this uh medium has said that 
she's having regular chats with Andy Warhol in, mm-hmm. you know, in heaven or whatever, or wherever he was in hell, maybe. Um, and so I said, uh, my, my first thought was, well, if Andy was, you know, if anyone was able to talk to Andy, I doubt that he'd have time to speak to this medium on earth. <laughs> he'd be having far more fun. I mean, you know, um, I must say it, it's known that I made hats, for instance, for Elizabeth Taylor. I never talk about the names of my clients, but when Christie's had the sale in aid of charity that she organized uh, herself before her death, they found out that I'd made her hats. And Elizabeth Taylor, the famous, obviously, actress, I think almost anybody would know who I mean. Mm. Um, and in fact, ironically, behind me is uh, an Andy Warhol of uh, Marilyn and Elizabeth, which she signed to me. She was an amazing lady, too. And that would be fun to be with her. Who else? I don't know. Uh, there's so many. I've been so blessed in my life to meet so many interesting people. Yeah. Obviously, don't talk about, we don't have to talk about specific names, but also, I guess, sort of types of people. Because the other thing I want to talk about is, is I think you and I share this vision that we need to, you know, teach um, as many people as possible about space because it's sort of important for humanity and, and the planet and, you know, things like the overview effect. And, I mean, for example, do you think certain types of popular influencers should go up or other artists or, I don't know, political <laughs> leaders, spiritual leaders, um, sort of like types of people that may help us? I, I think, know. actually, funny enough, I, what, what I'm finding is there is a sort of generation thing. I think on, on space conferences and things, I find there's enormous interest from people of, of who are older and then huge interest from very young. Mm. So I've every faith, actually, that I think the pandemic has made everybody so much more tech friendly i mean i'm i'm not very good with uh, with all, all the latest sort of apps and goodness knows what myself but you know i'm using zoom i'm i'm using telegram mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i'm talking all, all the time on these these things and i do think that there's less resistance to the well certainly i mean when i uh, talk to the media the, the sunday times are following my uh, in in england are following my trip and did a two-page article uh, about a year ago on my perspective trip. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the article was not cynical, but there was, understandably at that time, cynicism. And actually, now it's not relevant. The same the Daily Mail, it also followed up with a full page. And um, there, there, there was a certain cynicism at that time, and that's really vanishing. I think that people realize and, and are really on board in a way that they weren't when this trip started two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's as much resistance. What do you think, Raphael? You're, yeah, I think we're listening Think. maybe they'll message you and yeah i think i think it's um i think it's certainly become more mainstream i think partly because you know obviously it helped when spacex finally started flying astronauts so people people saw wow there's a there's a brand new vehicle and like you said a beautiful vehicle and and it works and it's now ta- it's now already made several crewed flights and several are scheduled in the near future, including the Axiom 1 mission with, you know, the private uh, paying customers. So I think that kind of brought it to people's mind that, no, this is this is real, you know, this this is starting to happen. Um, obviously, also on the space tourism side, we have the suborbital flights, which are also, I think, finally getting closer to start yeah. happening. Obviously, we've been waiting for a while, but, you know, um, I don't know about you know, Virgin Galactic. I mean, I, I cross my fingers for everyone. Virgin Galactic has been added for quite a few years. I think they're now getting closer. Blue Origin seems to be getting really quite close to, I think, flying uh, people now suborbitally. Uh, we have some other sort of entry options that you and I 
have talked about um, E2MC, yeah. we invested in Space Perspective, which is the stratospheric balloons. So that is also going to start within, you know. Which looks beautiful, which mm. looks also extraordinary. It's a diff different type of trip, but, you know. Um, well, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, what's so fascinating about this last couple of years, because obviously my attachment to, to space, as I said at the beginning, is, is, you know, it's from a very, very young age when I looked out there and thought there's got to be life forces out mm -hmm. there. What's going on? up there. I think 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if, uh, well, I wouldn't have said it in public. I wouldn't have said that in public. Now, I feel like we started off with me saying that in public. And every few months, there's a, a little bit of a shift. And I think now that very, very recently, with the, the launches, with the, you know, Elon making making it very access, feeling accessible for people, I think it's less important to get influencers up there and so on. I don't, I mean, I think my, my trip will in a way be important, but hopefully because of the partnerships I make maybe some medical tests we can do up there or all sorts of stuff that, that makes real change designing things stuff like that but i think it's going to be as important these funny you know amusing trips that are, are still crazy expensive i mean mm -hmm. to be honest people think you know 50 million to go up to ISS for 10 days is crazy, but just as crazy as eight hours in a balloon um, going to the, you know, uh, going up, all right, it's glamorous, but it's a total indulgence and it's costing um, over 100,000. So, yeah, it's $125,000. Of course, you're right for the average person on the planet. And yeah, I mean, they, that, they, that, they make, they would take several years of work to basically earn that amount of money. And yet, we've discussed that that is taking off in every way very successfully at the moment with a large number of people committing to want to go. And mm -hmm. I think one of the problems at the moment about space travel to ISS is the 15-week of training. Um, and not only is it not, I mean, I, I'm, I'm up for it. I mean, wow, you know, but because of uh, the pandemic, uh, I've I said to uh, everybody, um, 2021, I've got to stay on Earth and sort my my life on Earth out before I can take off 15 weeks to do training, let alone go go to space. And uh, I mean, that's only one of the reasons I'm not going on the first trip, but that's quite a major reason. Yeah. So, so you feel good about the training, or is there any part that you sort of like don't feel so great about? I don't, I don't know the, the centrifuge, or I don't know something else. Oh no, I'm you... dying for all that. I mean, I you know. Now I'm just dying for the the um, experience, uh, the honor, and I'm trying not to know too much about it, actually. Um, even during the training, I mean, I, I want it all to be a little bit of a surprise when I get there. Yeah, I think you're right, because otherwise you build much. up your expectations, and if we build up expectations too much, then that's always... Um, you know, it's, it's like going well. to the Taj Mahal. I mean, I, I was working, I've been working in India, I've been, I, I'm very, been very interested in, in street children problems around the world. World, which has made me travel to lots of places. I've worked with the United Nations as senior consultant on art and design for developing countries in Asia, Latin America, India, um, Europe, China, so on. Basically, you know, work, working with the UN, seeing all these places, I usually manage to steal a couple of hours to do something. And going to Taj Mahal, you've got to remind yourself it's not that big. But, you know, if, if you expect too much from something, Mm. then you might get disappointed. So I just want to do it, that's all. 
The Taj Mahal was not a disappointment, by the way. I don't know if you've gone. It's uh, it is. yeah, and I'm I, I kind of have the suspicion it's going to be the same space that even if you build up the expectations very high, it's still going to. Well, I mean, the only disappointment away. I think that all space tourists will have to cope with for a little while is that we can't do uh, EVA. Mm. Uh, it was a few months into the commitment before I realized that I wasn't going to be able to go out of the spaceship and dangle around actually in space. I thought they were working on that though. I don't I don't know whether it's Axiom or SpaceX. Somebody I thought was sort of working I, I on I think they're the working on it, but I still think it's a couple of years away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean it it's uh, they just won't let you out. They can't afford to. That's why people I mean I'm I'm almost just about six foot. I'm just about six foot. I mean less, you know, a hair. <laughs> And yeah. um, I, I sort of look fairly fit, don't I, Raphael? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. for, for people yeah. listening. Um, and yet I wouldn't say I look like the bravest guy in the world. And people say to me, Oh wow, you're so brave to go, aren't you terrified? And I'm thinking, no, they cannot afford to lose me. On this trip, you know, it would be an absolute disaster. They are going to make yeah. sure, you know, I'm saying. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not worried at all about that. I think further down the line, obviously, uh, there could be, you know, terrible, terrible tragedies. Much as there are, you know, you still go into a, take a car or a bus or a plane and there have been accidents. So something we have to think about, but I don't think it's going to be allowed to happen. It, it's like a friend of mine who worked at McLaren said to me, you know, when Lewis Hamilton gets into a car, There are 500 people watching every mo moment, of yeah. moment, right? Yeah. But when you get into that space trip, there are thousands, thousands of, of people. <laughs> yeah, I, I intuitively, I tend to agree. I think the sort of orbital, suborbital, orbital space tourism, like everything will be done to keep that really safe. I think if we go out to sort of the, the more extremes, you know, Moon and of course Mars, I mean, Elon just a few days ago, I actually, Elon in an interview said, like, you know, he fully expects some people will die. But I mean, that's also part of, you know, being initial explorers. And if we look back in our own history, you know, I mean, you're British. If you look at the great British explorers like Shackleton, you know, I mean, oh. like stuff happens, you know, you know what you're doing, you know what you're signing up for. Well, I, I think, yes. But on the other hand, we are, are living in a, an, an age where we can monitor and, and we're in yeah. contact by telephone and things. No, I mean, let's look on the brighter side. I don't know about dying, but I mean, any sort of, you know, any, any sort of, uh, there will be no discomfort, I don't think, is yeah. what I'm saying, except that we're, you know, we're in that historic space, going back to the design, as I usually do. Um, it, it's not a luxury environment. <laughs> it's not it's a, it certainly is not. I mean, certainly the, the type of people who are paying that price, uh, you typically, you know, would uh, picture them in different types of environments. Like you know, like a luxury villa in the Maldives or something. Well, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's also so. It's, uh, that's another interesting point. People have a conception of of people with enormous wealth, and all my life, most of the work I do, whether it's my massive sculpture, I, I mean. I moved. I mean, I still have the hats is a very important thing that I'm very passionate about making, but uh, and, and always one of a kind person to person with my clients. But also I do on a more permanent basis, massive sculptures, usually outdoors. And I mean, massive, like 15 meters high, things like that okay. uh, in stainless steel, which is virtually indestructible and, and there forever and uh, basically there there are different types of billionaire you know 
and uh, there, there are many who you wouldn't notice wandering around the streets of Monaco because they're the ones in the pretty tatty jeans and probably mm-hmm. not the biggest designer label that, you know, they're not wrapped in Dior and Balenciaga. And then you've got the other guys who, yeah, you see a a, a foot coming out of a out of a car and jumping into a, a restaurant or whatever. You know, people with wealth have different ways of going about yeah. with it. So, so Monaco, of course, you've you've lived in Monaco now, I think, for quite a while. That's twenty years. It's a fa- it's twenty years. It's a fascinating place. And speaking of people who can afford tickets, I mean, there is. I mean, I'm going to guess at least a dozen, if not more, yachts in the harbor, which cost multiple times the price of the Axiom trip. What is? Have you come across other space enthusiasts in Monaco, or what is? Is there any? space scene in Monaco? It's very strange that um, so many people, regardless of their level of wealth, aren't that attached to space traveling themselves. I mean, if they get into any detail, um, then I think the the 15 weeks of training is is quite a problem. Mm. But actually, a lot of people don't don't want to actually go up there. I think more important is by going up there myself, I want to make people realize that, you know, we're not land bound. We can, Mm -hmm. we can travel through the universe. And I'm most interested in reaching out to younger people Mm -hmm. um, and saying, you know, come on guys, you are going to be going to the moon. Yeah. In in 10 years, in 20 years, it's it's achievable. Think of getting jobs in space-related yes. industries. There's so many jobs going in, in space-related industries. Jump on now. How are you planning on doing so? I mean, besides being here as a guest today, which, again, we really appreciate, how are you planning on doing some of that that outreach and for example also what are your plans for documenting your your own trip at the moment i've had a couple of um i've got a, a u.s network um we've been talking to and a, a film company funny enough I've, i had a phone call yesterday with them they've been after me for uh, several months now to let them film the trouble is everybody at the moment wants to film me when and, and, and put out a film when I get back um, I hope they want to film when I get back and not when I don't get back if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. um, but of course that doesn't help me what I really need is um, people documenting me now and going you know yes getting followers and so on and at the moment I really am a tourist and so anyone who wants to suggest how we can get a sort of uh, some social media going and stuff like that I'm very interested in that and that'd be very helpful to me but at the moment uh, again I I think it'd be much more interesting to to film the progress before I go rather than when I get back and and also I have will have the opportunity on board everybody has the opportunity on board of hitting the internet and and actually doing live broadcasts from space, which will be extraordinary for me as well as uh, people listening, I hope. Apparently somebody mentioned, but it might be a joke, that they think that um, NASA charges for internet time on space. I haven't asked anybody yet i think that's the case actually if i remember correctly so the way it works i mean <laughs> i don't know where you would pay that because 
I must admit, I don't know how the Axiom, using Axiom as, again as the example. I, I'll have to look at the product. contract. <laughs> exactly. You should look at the contract because, I mean, you obviously pay, you know, you and other private space explorers would pay this 55 million, you know, public <laughs> price. And then you get a bill for like 500 pounds. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't, like, I don't know what's, um, what's uh, included or not. You know, it's kind of, I mean, you never know. I, I think, I think that's right with the internet. But where I remember seeing that is when NASA basically a couple of years ago started opening up the ISS more commercially, they published some prices and they said, you know, look, um, actually surprisingly cheap prices, by the way. They said, okay, a day on the International Space Station costs, I think it's something like 30 something thousand dollars, which by the way, I think is, is incredibly cheap. There is many hotel it is rooms. I mean, for the experience, it's extraordinarily yeah, There cheap. is many hotel suites in the world, which are significantly more expensive, um, <laughs> by the way, right? I mean, we're talking about the Maldives and some other places. I mean, the top suites in places like Las Vegas, I mean, you're, you're definitely much more than a thirty thousand dollars a night and then i think when they said that they also said uh, a couple of things were extra and i'm pretty sure one of them was the internet connection by <laughs> by the megabyte but you know so i'm kind of hoping that you know axiom or providers like that in their package price would have just wrap them up because I mean I agree with you that's sort of like petty to sort of then have get it get an itemized bill you know it's like but I mean it'll be hysterical I mean I, yeah imagine it'd be about 50 pounds or something and, and that would or 75 dollars whatever uh, it, it would be really funny I think I just find it hysterical. I mean it's, it's, it's funny but it's also like you know it's one of it's, it's like one of those like few there's like some of you know these there's some of these like five star luxury hotels around you know and, and they're expensive and then yeah. suddenly there's a like a water on the bedside and they're like oh this water actually costs an extra eight pounds it's like, and it's, could you, really could you not have included that in the price yeah. of the room? I mean, come on. It's so funny. I mean, you can go out, yeah, like, you know, you go to Ushuaia Beach or something in Ibiza, and, and it, it's normal to see a bottle of champagne that's 50,000 or something. But you get really irritated if the, you know, taxi driver tries to rip you off or something for an extra. Um, money is extraordinary, isn't it? I've never understood money very well. I just love making things. And luckily, some people yeah. like to commission them and buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, money is just a, a tool to do the inspiring things we want. Well, I think the exciting do. thing for artists is it gives us freedom to be able to pursue our dreams and passion. The ordinary thing that's happened over the last two and a half years is we're approaching this trip in more serious, you know, in a more serious way now because I've encountered many delays. I mean, we thought yeah. that I was going to have already gone by now. But what what this enormous change is that. It's no longer a dream for anybody. It's it's not a dream anymore. It's so real. It's so it's a tangible real. possibility. It's so I mean, tangible. You the, the same trip. as I think one of the most important differences from my childhood to now. In, in this whole space industry is that nobody mentions conquering space. When you mm -hmm. had the Americans and the Russians trying to get there first and land on the moon and all that, it was, we're conquering space. Nobody, even the most uh, incorrect politically person, would ever say we're conquering space anymore. We're searching around. I don't know whether little green guys are going to jump onto ISS when I'm there. I doubt it very much. But I do think there are life forces out there, and I think we've got to respect that. There are universes outside of our own, and it'll be so exciting to open our, our minds and ourselves up to that possibility.
Yeah, and and bring um, as I as I like to say to to finally bring humanity to space, right? Because we've we've brought humans to space, very few of them, around six to seven hundred. And now, if you know space tourism takes off, we can increasingly bring humanity to space. Maybe at some point in time, we'll have more permanent stations or moon bases and things like that. When would you be happy to say that we brought humanity to space? Okay, I think first of all, I would be actually much more excited if there was humanity really on Earth. Let alone bringing humanity to space. I'm sorry, I think you fell into that and gave it to me as a gift. But I mean, I think the exciting thing, first of all, and this is what almost every astronaut we speak to, um, they all say how it sort of clarifies your vision of Earth. And I think really we need a lot more humanity on Earth. Mm. But I know what you mean about, yes, bringing art, bringing theater, bringing social infrastructure to other planets and so on is very exciting exciting and that's part of the challenge and that's obviously things I want to get involved in with mm -hmm. with my trip and, and to encourage other people to do the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. Jose, I know you've been following the um, the Space Tourism Conference this week. Yes. Any sort of interesting things you've seen there? How? What is the sort of like um, the feel? Is it is it that sort of like dynamic feel that things are really moving ahead, or what have for you me, seen? For me, it was it, it's been very interesting because although I've been to other space conferences, this is a apparently the 20th year of this uh, space tourism conference. So the point of view for me is very interesting. I'm not actually learning anything much that I didn't know. I think the industry is justifiably very, very confident and, and mm. you know, excited. It is a wonderful, it's almost a little family. I mean, I find one of the things with meeting astronauts who I look up to with such respect, their training, their perseverance and so on, is actually their humility and how ordinary and how welcoming pretty well every astronaut, contemporary astronaut I've met, treats me as a family member already. You know, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know come and meet my the, the family, as it were. It, it, it's this extraordinary bonding. And I think throughout these conferences, you get that extraordinary feeling of people with real passion, with real commitment. And we used uh, a couple of minutes ago the word humility. Humanity. I think most mm -hmm. people in the industry at the moment are into the humanity of it. Obviously, as people start jumping more and more onto the, the fact that there's money to be made out of space, some of, some of that humanity is going to be lost along the way because mm -hmm. uh, business people are in it for, you know, accountancy. They want to see the, the accounts and the figures. And inevitably, um, they, they, business people, private business people will play a, a larger and larger role in the future of space travel, although we won't lose the importance of government either. For quite a while, uh -huh. but those those people will help to fund projects and, and and make things possible that without them wouldn't be possible. But at the moment, there is this extraordinary passion and creativity around the 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 whole space world. Mm -hmm. And fingers crossed that really now in the next few years it's going to take off and we're going to have hundreds and thousands of people going up there and it's going to change as I said, humanity I mean, I, on Earth as well. Okay, I, I mean, I slightly, I, I must say uh, the one thing I want to show from my trip is apart from the personal things and achievements like making art in space and designing in space and so on, but the one thing, I mean, I do want to make everyone realize that they could do it. You know, if this old man can, can do it, anybody can do it. 
uh, you know. But on the other hand, I, I don't think for the first few years it's so important to get hundreds of thousands of people up there. I think it's basically to, to stop this sort of one, one of the problems a few decades ago was when, and one of the questions I used to have, but less so recently, is, you know, wouldn't this money be better spent on schools, on sure. hospitals, on, you know, and, and there's room for all of us. There's obviously these are most important things, but there's got to be money spent by government on space travel and search, you know, research into what's around us. We haven't mentioned actually deep ocean as well. I mean, deep ocean is a completely different area, but also we don't know much about what's going on un un underneath us. We probably know more what's going on in the universe and in space. But is that, is that by the way, is that another trip you would want to take? There have been a few, there have been at least two or three astronauts actually who have made the trip down to the the deepest point in the oceans, the Challenger Deep, the I, I live, okay, outside the Oceanographic Museum, which is about a two or three minutes walk away from my home opposite the palace on the rock on in, in Monaco, is the actual yellow submarine that Cousteau used to do his television programs with and inspired the Beatles to write yellow submarine and everyone can see that there is no way you would get me in that yellow submarine and in, in going into the water in that it looks incredibly dangerous i have much more faith in uh, elon's uh, uh, spaceships than uh, the that i've tried out a little um, submarine but we haven't gone down yet into it but no it's it, that's another thing my my passion really is for going into space Going up, not down. Deep, deep ocean. Deep ocean is another thing. I mean, the beauty of fish. But if you can't go into space, I must say, and you want to see another world, going, for instance, to the Oceanographic Museum in Monaco with their huge, so amazingly well-lit aquarium, is you experience colors and these fish of all shapes, sizes, and, and so on. It, it's an amazing experience as well. David, any sort of final concluding words or thoughts for people who may also want to go to space, but, you know, probably cannot do it in the next few years, given you know, the price tag is still pretty high and it's uh, somewhat exclusive? It, it's an amazing period for Earth people to discover more about what's around us. So continue that. Anyone who wants to get in touch with me, uh, I, I have contact page on my website davidschilling.com and things if you've got serious questions and stuff let's discuss them but i mean they can do that through you as well i mean i think mm -hmm. i admire what you're doing and people like you, you who have passion and and you know you're this wonderful connection between the world of business and the world of well the world of space business and the world of space i'd encourage everyone to not worry if one in 10 people is a bit skeptical about when, when you say about your interest in space, they'll be proved wrong. Terrific. And, and, and David, um, the final question I always ask is about science fiction. Do you like science fiction? I mean, you, you, you grew up in a period where you know, some of the, the classics were written as well. I mean, do you like science fiction? And if yes, what, what kind? Um, I, I, you know, I, I have an amazing life. Uh, I don't know why, but things happen around me and to me and, and, and things. So I met such extraordinary people in my life and, and, and made, I hope, a, the, the best use of it, you know, 
pretty extraordinary to be have my work in the Louvre Museum for the forever and, and things like that, these monumental sculptures. I, I believe actually that real life is much more extraordinary than anything you write. I wrote a play called Rich Isn't Easy, which we uh, did a trial production of, which was very successful. It's a comedy. And one of the lines is about the, when the, the girl says to her boyfriend, you know, you ought to write a book. So I can't because real life is much more unbelievable than, than you could write in a book. Yeah, I think that's a really nice way to finish up because it seems right now, fortunately, some of the things in real life are moving faster than, you know, what some people envision in, in fiction. And you know, I want to wish I want to wish you all the best for your for your trip. Um, what I would propose is that you know we should catch up regularly to see your your progress and the build up of the trip, and and keep following that. I'd really appreciate that as long as people will will listen and and uh, I I think we should do it regularly. That would be really great. I'd be grateful for that. And thank Good. you for listening. Thanks, David. Thank you. Well, that's it for another nominal episode of the Space Business Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider giving it a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. Also consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. If the podcast got you interested in learning more about the business opportunities in the space economy, check out my new online course on space entrepreneurship on udemy.com. The link is in the episode description. Lastly, if you have any feedback, including ideas for guests, and that may include yourself if you have an exciting space story to tell, or interested in being a sponsor, drop us an email at spacebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you for the next episode.